0: Dr. Uh, Marianne, she just is amazing and um, just such a support. And the work that she's doing in step-by-step is just been amazing because there's so much sacrifice in this work. There's so much that has been poured into this work there's so much um, you know intent that has been put in to make sure that something can be delivered at a quality level for all of our kids and communities near and far so I just don't want to you know negate the opportunity to be able to um, edify her and the work that she <laughs> yes. does the same person you see in these 15 minutes that is passionate about the program is the same person who assess the kids tutors teaches teachers tutors teachers teachers just all this, the same person right it's the same love and 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 passion, and the thing that you mentioned at the beginning that you empower um and, and encourage I think is so powerful because I think it speaks to who you are as a person and that that's the part that people should connect to and that's the part that people should realize needs the sponsoring and the support to continue this work in the world so continue to do an amazing job I um, stand for you and I just you know support you as much as you know as we can
1: Hi, thanks for tuning in to our Dyslexia Solutions podcast. I'm Dr. Marianne Sintron, founder of Step by Step Dyslexia Solutions. So, I bring peace to parents by helping their dyslexic children read so that we can build their self esteem, help them unlock their genius minds, and allow them to achieve success in school and in life. So, the reason for this podcast is to interview parents of dyslexic children and we interview dyslexic adults and I also talk from my heart and the reason this podcast is important is we want to raise awareness of what dyslexia is so that you have knowledge because knowledge is power and we want to let you know that you're not alone in your situation so thanks again for tuning in and here we go with our special guest for the day. My guest today is uh, Gail McClymans. She uh, listened to me on someone else's podcast and reached out to me because she was wanted to tell me about her dyslexic adult ch- son, who's in his 40s now, and talk about his wonderful uh, engineering degree and his career as an engineer. And I thought she would be very interesting uh, to, for you to listen to her story. And what got my attention well, she said he went to a private uh, special ed school, and he started reading with Dr. Seuss, and he graduated reading the Hardy Boys <laughs> from that school. So welcome with me, if you would, please. This is Gail McClymans. Hi. Hi, Gail. Nice to have you today. Uh, nice being here. Would you um, just introduce yourself to our audience?
2: Well, I'm, I'm, I was a full-time mom. Um, I was able, my husband was able to have a a good enough job that I was able to stay home with our children. Um, We had a girl, boy, girl, and a boy. So we had four kids. Um, They were about two and a half years apart, except for the bottom. The last one was seven years apart from his next sibling. Anyway, um, I homeschooled most all of them for an average of about two or three, four years each. And um, after our oldest daughter was homeschooled for four years, I decided because I was having problems helping our son learn reading and helping him to decode the words and reading left to right and not mixing things up. I figured I'd send her to a small Christian school nearby, and so I would be able to focus all my all my energy on him and helping him to learn to read. Um, That wasn't very helpful (laughs) because it was more iron sharpening iron and butting heads like 24/7. So um, it wasn't necessarily to. sort of infringe on this other nice small school. But I sent him there thinking, well, maybe they're professionals. Maybe they could really, they can figure out some ways to help him learn to read. So you Um, went
1: from homeschooling to sending him to the Carroll School of Reading, right? No, he went to a small private school first. First a small private school. And then
2: um, they had some, had some problems with him learning. And even though he went in as a third grader, he went to first grade for reading. And yeah, he got teased a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he was pretty good about it. And then we had a tutor come in and she said he should probably be tested for dyslexia. He's reading sub and telling me it's bus or the, the other way around. Auto reversals, just, you know, huh? Yes. So I had him tested, and yeah, he was classic dyslexic, and the lady suggested there are two schools really close to where we live, Um, but the one in the Carroll School in Lincoln, Mass, was a lot closer to us. So uh, we went there, interviewed, and they accepted him as a student, so we started that fall, and he was there for three years.
1: And those schools aren't cheap, are they?
2: No. No. No, um, I had written a letter and asked the public school to please help us with some tuition and payment or help us with some because their school was not helping or, or wouldn't be appropriate for them. And then they said, well, you've never been to the public school. He needs to be in the public school for at least six weeks. So, uh, we did that. And he says the only thing that was good about the school was he had trumpet lessons on Tuesday.
1: <laughs> so he went into the public school only to get back out, but you yeah. have to do that for the schools to help pay the tuition.
2: Exactly. But and he- then they, that was the middle of his second, that was the beginning of his second year. So he went to the public school for six weeks and then um another person came and looked at this public school and said, yeah, this is not going to work. So we had a lot of lawyers and a lot of back and forth and everything else. But after the six weeks, he went back to the Carroll school. And Did, so he, then he, did he get there. a
1: diagnosis from a school psychologist or a medical doctor?
2: For dis- I don't think so, but he might have. I just don't remember.
1: It's okay. 30, 30, odd years ago. So It's so cool though that the private school recognized it, and they said it because schools are afraid to say dyslexia, and they shouldn't because if you know you have something that there's a uh, some help for, you have to call it what it is. Yes. Well, so
2: they're really good.
1: I know when the kids get ridiculed at school, you know they just come home, they're sad. I almost want to cry. Yeah. (laughs) Because you want to be strength for your son what were some of the things you did for him to help him feel that home was a safe place is that is that a good question how did you affirm yeah but I don't remember what I did (laughs) um
2: (laughs) there were times because I was trying to teach him reading at the same time my older daughter was still at home and and she was a self-motivator She, I just said okay. Just knew the do the next chapter in all these particular books, and she was done in a couple hours. Yada yada, I'm
1: done, Mom. Let's
2: go. Let's go. Your son, your
1: son had good behavior, right? He wasn't. No, he was fine.
2: He was yeah. No, and my husband and I, we were talking about this last night and this morning. Just we're amazed at the character that this young man has. Um. He did could have easily have gotten charts, bitter or and anger, and he wasn't. He's did, you
1: always... do... did you do any kind of sticker charts, or how did you encourage him at home? Like to do his um, homework? Or... Just love on the guy. Uh,
2: we also have a tree in the backyard. He he built his own like, tree house back there. It was, was really small. <laughs> um, but I told people that when I was first... Trying to teach him to read, um, when things got really frustrating, I said, Would you just go in the backyard and make sure there's no dragons in the backyard? <laughs> so he would go climb his tree, do whatever, you know, and. His world of imagination was exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. One thing I thought was funny, um, he made some really good friends at Carol's school. And we had one of his friends over for the day and we were just having fun. It was like on a Saturday. And I said, cut it out. You're acting really weird, you know? And he says, but we're dyslexic. I said, that's not an excuse for being rude. And that's not an excuse for being unkind. I don't care if you're dyslexic, but you cannot do these other things, you know, cause they were just being normal boys. There's two of them together, so they rub off each other.
1: Well, tell me about some of the team sports he was in at school. Maybe this will help parents know that yeah. their kids need to move well, when, and get involved in sports.
2: Well, one of the things that I did when I was having him tested as I I don't know, seven or eight, eight year, eight or nine. I don't know what year it was. Seven to ten year old child. He was in this small private school and I had to get him tested. So I thought, oh, I'll just take him out of recess, and we'll go and get tested. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what he said. He He said, After the test, I'm so mad you took me out of recess. That was the best thing in my life, you know, my best time of the day, and yada, yada. So the testing was up near the North Shore of Boston. So we went out and romped on the beach for a while just to get out some of his energy.
1: Oh, that's great. I used to hate having to pull kids out of computer um or music class to do the intervention when I worked at a private school. Yeah. But you know they had their their core content classes that they couldn't miss. Yeah. So we actually tried to uh work with them just for 30 minutes during their passing during the students passing period. And 10 minutes of the class they left, they could get out 10 minutes early and yeah. 10 minutes late to the next class. But that's how the school worked it out, where we could get them 30 minutes of intervention without missing, you know, that's a good idea. Cold content. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's very
2: kind of creative. Yes. But anyway, in high school, he was part of a soccer team. And he always did the defense on the left side. Uh, something that I used to do with him on the street, we would, we're on a quiet side street. Um, we, he would be on one gutter, I would be on the other, and we kick the ball back and forth to each other. And then we just turn around in place and go back the other way so that he could learn how to kick the ball with either leg. So that he ended up being on the left defense because he was the only guy that could kick the ball left footed. Oh, that's great. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, so he did lacrosse. I mean, he did soccer, and then he did wrestling. And then he did lacrosse. And in a private high, the private Christian high school. Um, he and a buddy of his just loved the idea of a lacrosse back and forth. Um and this is in about 99 or 2000.
1: Well, let me so ask you, hey. Gail, did you say that you were dyslexic, that you realized you were also? Um, I probably was. But not diagnosed. Um,
2: I, 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 I was never tested. But um, one time when I was about eight, I had a small accident and I cracked the collar, my red, right collarbone. So even though I'm right-handed, I learned how to do a lot of things left-handed um, during that summer. Um, but then in the fall, or maybe in middle school, later, years later, I was bored in school and I learned how to write mirror image, um, trying to take notes, which was fine until I had to study for finals. And then because I had taken notes in pencil... And it had been a couple of months ago, they tend to rub together. And it was kind of hard to read, but um, I did okay. I passed the
1: test. So that is really interesting because I see two things from that comment. One of them is kids who aren't confident in their work will write in pencil. It's different if it's math, but when mm-hmm. they're writing sentences in pencil, it's because they're used to erasing. Uh. So we always want the kids write in pen. And then, when we correct it, we just cross out the error and write above it, and we let them know it's okay to make a mistake, that's how we learn. But when you said you wrote backwards, uh, if people you know I was trying to understand this myself when I learned Leonardo da Vinci you right. write cursive backwards right. and then flip it into the mirror, and you said that was so you could read it. Yeah. Because even
2: though well, you could write back that was a couple of months later so I could study for it and I'm trying to figure out what did I write? Because <laughs> you couldn't
1: that? read your own writing.
2: Exactly.
1: Isn't that just amazing? Well, so, so I just, you know, I I would like you to share if you would some of your giftedness, but I think working at home with your kids is a gift and right. not everybody First of all, has a desire to not go into the workforce and chooses to stay at home to work with their kids. I love doing that for the first five years of my kids' life, um, but it's okay to be a homemaker. Yes, that is very um, creative, creative, and it's a lot of work. Yeah, although I was, I was college
2: educated. I did graduate from college, but I graduated with a mu- with a uh, bachelor of fine arts. With a minor in art history, so I I don't really necessarily think I had a marketable skill other than I could flip burgers or I could go down to Dress Barn or some other place because I had worked retail um, at Macy's department store after high school. Me too. <laughs> so I I could do something if I really had to, but um and yeah, um, stores. You know, It was nine months, three days after our wedding that we had a little baby girl. So um, I didn't really have a whole lot of
1: time other than the nine months
2: incubation (laughs) to get ready for a baby. We
1: do share that if kids want to go to uh, college and they have dyslexia because they need a degree for engineering or architecture or teaching or medicine, those are dyslexia areas of strength. Um, but there's accommodations to give them more time on their tests, let them take tests orally. Did you get to do any of that? Um, yeah, uh, the people the, I
2: think at all the different private schools that he went to, they understood his limitations. Well, I'm talking about you. Oh, for me? Yeah. I guess I didn't really realize that he. Well, I I knew he needed more time, and when no, he was no I'm my,
1: talking about you being oh, getting for your me. degree. <laughs> Obviously, I need more time to figure out what you're saying. Oh, Um, well, I don't know if they back in the day, if they gave you that accommodation to help you be successful on your own to be successful in college.
2: Mm, I don't know. Um, I remember in fifth grade, I found it easier for me to do my math problems, um, especially subtraction by saying what plus this equals this. But I also had a better idea if I just whispered it in my ear. And so one time I, we were having a test and the teacher yelled out, who's talking? It's like, I'm going to fail now. I don't know how to figure out the problem. Uh,
1: <laughs> so I
2: never said anything to him, but I was like, oh.
1: Uh-oh. Well, and that's one of the things, speaking out, yeah. It helps us learn, and of course, music. Well, we, we keep our these interviews short because right. um, we want our audience to feel that they can listen and they don't have to listen for a whole hour. I, I'm so thankful that you're here, Gail. Sure. And um, I just want to encourage our audience out here. Uh, if, if what we have shared has inspired you, please go to my website, Dyslexia Hyphen Solutions. Dot com. consider being a sponsor and look at some of the other interviews that are on the website. Look at the blogs we have and see some of the things we offer parents and dyslexic children. So thank you for tuning in today and Gail, thank you so much for being our special guest today. Oh, sure. Anytime. Okay.